Hello, yes, this is Dan Housen here. Dan Housen, this is uh, for Shooting the Breeze with Bash and James Housen. Yes, a podcast, a wrestling podcast of some sort based in the UK. It's quite nice. Dan Housen's here to give you a very nice, valuable shout-out of some sort. And also, you, Dan Housen's wishing you the powers to knock out the Breeze Horse. It is War Horse in disguise, Dan Housen thinks. He's not quite sure. But he also is uh, shooting the Breeze with the Breeze Horse. So, you must defeat him. He's evil. Anyways, love that Danhausen. Good luck. Hey, this is episode 80 of Shooting the Breeze with Bash, and I am with James, but I'm with the other James today because unfortunately um, Fisher could not make it to this podcast due to certain other commitments this time, work commitments. So, uh, say hello, other James, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me back. You've uh, upgraded from one James to another. That's yeah. what I'm going to claim it as. But uh, glad to be here. Happy to be back. We've got over the best part of what? 14 days of solid wrestling, so... <sighs> Seems like that, yes. It's been a long, long slog, isn't it? You're not wrong. And then it's to a... throw in all the rest of the stuff that's happened as well. It's been, it's been an eventful two weeks, to say the least. Yeah, I, th- I think they've... Um... The way their uh, time backlash is pretty good, to be fair. I mean, four, six weeks, five weeks or something like that, isn't it? Is it any yeah. Way? I'm hoping it's going to give it a build. Like, I'm still not a fan about the name, but it'll be nice to get something built and like, just see how the storylines develop after, after WrestleMania and how they kind of push towards backlash. Now, I've not got high hopes for the backlash card as yet, but... I was surprised by WrestleMania, so hopefully I'll be surprised by Backlash as well. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, how have you been with everything reopening? You been um, cautious, or you been just going crazy, or? No, very much the same. To be honest, like we we, we had a little look, and um, when I got my hair cut, which was great, it was the first one in months and months. We've had a couple of pub slots here and there, but a lot of the time it's just it's just kind of keeping to ourselves. We went to went to Towers on Sunday. Um, left pretty early because of how busy it was but I kept the mask on for a little bit they, they was as good as you can be in that situation with distance the pub by us has been great with like social distance and limiting the numbers so it's just kind of doing what you can do without getting too excited that's in the pictures of was it Soho in London oh, it's over the weekend and there was thousands of people there but then it's every other every other place that is there is a pub so I'm not surprised that he was heaving but how about yourself? Are you settling back into semi-normal life? Well, I'm technically on lockdown anyway because I'm on Ramadan, so I'm fasting. So yeah, it doesn't. Uh, I can't really go out or anything because by the time sunset happens, I'm uh, yeah, trying to eat. <laughs> so about the Monday before the, with James and stuff, and uh, yeah, I just I, I think by the time I finish this it'll probably be in like another semi-lockdown or something because the way London's been going on boy I've had too many variants already which is yeah there's, an, there's another double variant apparently that's just started knocking around as well so it seems like every time everything gets opened up another thing starts popping yeah, in all of a sudden but yeah just uh, uh, Wrestlemania had some trouble as well but I suppose we'll speak about that when we get there they had a few COVID-19 cases yeah after I couple, event. Yeah, I've seen a couple on uh, a couple on social media people saying like the different events that they've been to and uh, 
um, they've now tested positive for COVID. So it'll be interesting to see if there's more of a fallout from that. I think maybe here might be a bit of a fallout as well, the way the testing mass gatherings like football events. With, um... So yeah, I think the same, there was a 4,000 at the semi-final yesterday between Leicester and Southampton. Yeah. I think. No, and I think apparently. Or like and then there's eight for eight for the final on Sunday, I believe. Yeah, like I don't know. I just, just play it by ear. That's what I do at the moment. Yeah. I'm hoping I've got tickets to the final of the European Championship, so I'm okay. hoping that they open up a little bit so I can keep them, uh, or at least keep a couple of them. Where's this? Um, it's at Wembley, so it's okay. actually like Euro 2021, or it would have been Euro 2020, but we've got tickets for the final. Okay. So hopefully they, they said at the moment that it's going to be 25% capacity, which would be about 20,000 tickets um, that they'll have for the final. Um, so hopefully they release a few just to open up a few more chances. After going for a ballot and paying a fortune for one, I'd like to hope that I'll still get to go. Yeah, true. Because they ain't cheap, they ain't buying tickets in uh, especially when you have to buy them all as well at the same time. Mm. Absolute fortune. And uh, this new crazy football league that's come out. Uh, I've only just caught up on it literally just after just after I finished work at five. I managed to catch up on the majority of it. And it seems like every, every with the exception of the, the 12 teams involved, everyone else in the footballing world is against it. So it'll be interesting to see how it seems to develop over the next couple of days. It seems to be mainly all the rich clubs, though. Yeah, literally, it just it seems to be the the big hitters from Spain, Italy, and England that want to move off into another club. Um, apparently, UEFA just before I came on, uh, we got on the podcast. Now, UEFA have released a statement saying that they're looking at potentially banning the clubs that are part of the proposal from European competition if they're currently in it, and that if they leave and they want to come back to the Premier League, then they have to start in the bottom tier, they have to start in the fifth tier of football for whatever league they join. So. It'd be interesting to see how much of it is scare tactics and how much of it they actually put in place to stay if, it, if this Super League starts. We're yeah. going to do this and that. Yeah, the Super League, the, I was reading the financials. It's the financials that are kind of this breakaway with the Super League. But, you know, I don't... It, like, I'm not too much of a football fan, to be honest, but having an, like another bloody, you know, breakaway league out of all the leagues that we have already and everything that's already going on it just seems you know it seems like a cash grab yeah absolutely and I think they're going to make fortunes from it and then just come back into the leagues with all that money that they've made but they're going to play every Wednesday so in the end with football you'll have football on a Monday Tuesday or Monday and a Wednesday then you'll have football on a Thursday you got Friday game you got Saturday game you got Sunday game so and almost be like WrestleMania week. Yeah, basically, it's not pro wrestling. Literally, it's just going to be like, it's going to be an event every single night of the week. Yeah. But yeah, I suppose uh, we'll get into everything that's been going on. Uh, start with uh, Ibushi versus Osprey. Did you catch um, the match? Um, so I know the result. I haven't watched the match in full yet. Um, I've heard some really good things about it. Uh, it was a really good match. It was a solid 30-minute main event with a... Uh, I don't know if it's a surprise or not, but like, uh, the way Osprey won was uh, interesting. How he uh, hits him with a hidden blade and rolls into the Stormbreaker. Um, it, 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 there's been a lot of 50 50 on it, to be honest, the way 
it's been because of all the stuff that's gone down with him and like re- of, you know, recently and you know past things yeah. that obviously I don't want to really discuss because uh, I don't know too much of the context of everything that's happened but yeah. it's kind of because you know he was talking about facing Drew McIntyre and CM Punk and all this and that when he had his press conference winning the belt and kind of like he is the first you know British born you know IWGP champion you know people who were there before and never got a sniff of it you know you had Regal Dynamite Kid was over there people like that as you know from England um he is the first British born Japanese IWGP world champion but it feels like it's kind of like I said marred in a 50-50 kind of yeah, and he's he's very good. He's very very good, um, and he's only young as well. So I hope it's I just don't, I hope it's not. I think we spoke about it last time, and we kind of we wouldn't be surprised. And I thought that he would win based on his performance in the the cup and how yeah. he's been portrayed. Um, I just I just hope it's not a transitional champion. I, th- I just hope that they give him an opportunity to run with it, um, and then take it from there. But it seems because it seems very very strange that. He's kind of come out of nowhere over the last six months, and it's like you mentioned, you didn't really want to touch on the, the stuff that was came in in terms of everything that's happened in probably the past 18 months. And it seems like it's propelled his career further than anyone else that was kind of put in that, in that category of the stuff that was going on regarding the speaker. But I'm happy, I've, I, I met him in person, I, I think he's. He was sound. He was more than more than accompanying to the people that was like there when we were seeing him at the, um, the Fight Club event. So Hopefully, kind of works out well for him, and I think there's a lot of good matches that he can have. Yeah, um, it's just where they go with it. Yeah, because like they're rerunning him versus Shingo, and then Shingo, whoever wins that match faces Okada, which I don't see. I don't see Osprey losing against Shingo. I see Osprey Okada again, because obviously they're going in the Tokyo Dome, like the end of May, so. It's going to be interesting what they're going to do with this with this belt. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's, there's certainly money to be made if you, if I think you'll beat Shingo. I think it would make sense from my just from my because I'm not very like I don't really watch it religiously in terms of New Japan, but everything that I've seen from it's always been good. Um, whether he's better at chasing the belt and whether if Akada beats him after he's beaten Shingo, whether he, he then creates that the heels chasing the belt because I always feel just in wrestling as a general I do prefer heels chasing the belt just on the basis of what they'll do to try and get it yeah but I think with him because he's lost enough times to Okada he needs to win that one he needs a defining win yeah to solidify his yeah solidify his reign yeah I suppose, I suppose, yeah, from that point of perspective, it definitely makes sense. Maybe they do. They give him that big win early into his reign to solidify his reign and then let him just develop from there. It's a money it's a money match for the Tokyo Dome, anyway. Like, because obviously in January they had probably one of the best matches over the two nights. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd definitely agree with that. So, I think he's in money. I think whatever match you put him into, because he is that good, and I, think, I do really think he is one of the better in-ring performers knocking around at the moment so I'm definitely excited to see where his reign goes I just hope it's I hope it's it's got substantial in there whether we'd carry on to Wrestle Kingdom in January probably not but I'd like to hope that he gets a decent reign in 
Yeah. I guess we're waiting to wait and see. Yeah, but I'm, like I said, like you, I'm interested to see where it goes and see what happens in it. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of all that from that side. Um, you got review of uh, NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver now. I uh, think, for me, I really, really, really enjoyed Stand and Deliver. As an event, I think it's one of my favourite takeovers. I think it was, from start to finish, I think both days were really good. Some of it was questionable. I was quite surprised by the winner of the Gauntlet match and then the winner of the Gauntlet match going on and yeah. still not winning, um, which was a bit of a, a null and void to me. But I think, as a whole, over the two matches, exactly what you'd expect of a takeover, really. It was another just top-performing show from start to finish. The, there's never been a bad takeover. In my yeah. eyes, anyway. like, and even a bad takeover is a, would be a good wrestling event of any description. So yeah, that is quite true. Uh, we'll just go through some of the you know key points that's happened on uh, those cards over the two nights. Uh, I think looking at the card at the moment, I think the mainstay for me, um, like I said, the six-man gauntlet match with Bronson Reed winning. I was quite surprised. I was also quite surprised in the way that Dexter Loomis was eliminated because I think we all pretty much had him nailed on to win that and then expected him to go on and, and to win the North American Championship at the end. Yeah, like, I was think, thinking the stop-start and the stop-start and the stop-starting on him, which is like, you know, what, you, what do you want to do with him? Do you know what I mean? You're trying to build him to be his colossus yet. You, you make him win a gauntlet match and then you kind of like just chuck him in against um, Johnny Gargano and make him lose which is a not you know it's not I don't know where they're going to go with him personally I, think, I do like him I like him a lot I think he's great but it's just where they're going to go with him I think it just it just seems strange I think they're, they're trying to push a Dexter Loomis LA Knight thing together I think now he's got that thing that was on NXT last week with Indy Hartwell and what's going to happen there whether she kind of becomes a mouthpiece and then obviously with with Bronson Reed coming into the match and winning I think we'll see where he goes but I was quite surprised that Cameron Grimes didn't have a didn't have a little bit more of a run I do I think he's money I really do think that Cameron Grimes is money literally his theme song is about money yeah literally and I think he was just he was just wasted there was a couple of people in there they could have just had Loomis versus Reed, really, and cut the other four people out of it. He would have made absolutely no difference to the match in terms of the result and what the ending kind of was because everyone expected Dexter Loomis to win. If you're going to have Bronson Reed win, you could have just had a, a, just a one-on-one match and just saved yourself 15 minutes. Yeah, true. Yeah. And then... Pete yeah. Dunne defeating Kushida and, like... No offence to, like... You know, obviously, we'll get onto what's happened to Kushida in a bit. But, um... Like Pete Dunn's the like it was a good match, don't get me wrong. Just the new theme songs are just terrible. I think all of the NXT theme songs are, are terrible. Like this rejig that they've done to try and like I don't know why they've done it or what they're trying to achieve by it, but it, it does seem pointless. And they all just seem it's like it's flat, there's no hype behind any of the songs anymore when they come down. No, just it seem- doesn't feel just just feels like really watered down. I know they're trying to get away from 
see fox because they're like you know extorting them for money or whatever or or something like that and then like the only the new only new one that i liked that i had was um eos that's probably about it that that cameron grimes is I feel like it's almost as if when I listen to them and like thinking back to the ones that I can remember vividly from the event, it's almost like the theme tunes that you get from you know when you create a character on WWE and you've got to then you've got to pick your theme song and you've got to do this and that. Yeah. They just all seem like the generic created theme songs that you could all pick from there, with the exception of one or two. Like probably the prime examples are the ones that you mentioned about Cameron Grimes and the Shirai as well. Yeah, Walter uh, Tommaso Champa was great. Yeah, that unbelievable. Was, that was one of the matches of the night. Like unbelievable match. I think anyone that can take punishment and that can sell well will have an unbelievable match with Walter. Yeah. And I think Sorry, can he's you? just no, he's just an animal. I don't know, like we'll get on to talking about him a little bit more later, but he's he is just immense. And I think the the chemistry that him and Smash Chamber had in that ring, um, and just seeing the chest, like seeing what was chest as well at the end of it. Like, he looks like he's been hit by a car. It was, it was Champa just continuing the clothesline spots. The continuing yeah, clothesline spots were crazy. Just Walter just hitting him. Just slapping him and just, just like, you know. Champa looked like the old Champa, though. Yeah. Like, he turned think... back time. He, he didn't have, like, you didn't see the grey hair. You didn't see, he come out as, like, you know, old school Tommaso Champa and was just, like, ready to fight. And that was... To me, that match of that first night. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, it's definitely my match of the first night, and it's going to be a strong yeah. contender. It's got to be up there in match probably of one the, of the yeah, matches, yeah. matches of the weekend as a whole. Um, just, just from the start to finish, the selling, like the storytelling, and just like it was nice to see. I say nice to see as what it sounds, but it was, it was such a like a brutally controlled match, and you know, like it was brutal from start to finish. It was a massive palate cleanser from what you kind of what the the product that they put out now, and it's very similar to what Walter did with Dragonoff on NXT UK. Yeah, it was just very strong, <laughs> strong yeah. sound based. Exactly, yeah. and it was something that was just like it was refreshing to see, especially to break up the card in the middle. Yeah, because you had um, I, I saw the match against Rampage Brown as well, pretty much not straight after that, probably the day after that. And like that was kind of strong style, you know. Uh, you had um, uh, who's it on commentary on NXT UK? Nigel McGuinness, that's it. He's never yeah. forgot. He was kind of going it's the King's Road, you know, all Japan style, etc., etc. You know, talking about kind of like the Japanese influence and what. But like you know, who, who, who's there to beat beat Walter now? That's my and thing. I think like, who, who's gonna beat him? We spoke about it last time when we saw like about Rampage and whether Rampage would win. I think as much as I love Walter, it's almost getting to the point where they've built him up too strong, and I, I just, I just, I don't see who they're going to bring up unless it's like a heel that cheats a victory out of him. Or I really he, can't see who it's going to be. Or he just vacates the title. I think that's probably the that's probably the best thing for them to do because I think they've got him in such a position where he's almost become. Brock Lesnar of NXT yeah, that's yeah, kind of his stature at the moment yeah. I think vacating it is probably the only way realistically they can get the belt off of him but then there's got to be somebody they can build up enough to give that title and then kind of 
point on there, but it's some stuff that you mentioned before about him not really wanting to leave Europe. And then just keeping the belt on him because he doesn't want to come to the main NXT and challenge for the NXT title. And is that why he's just kind of just kept the belt on him for the sake of keeping it on there? Because I couldn't name a wrestler now in NXT UK that I think would be viable to beat him unless it was someone like Tyler Bate, for example, in the matches that they've had and he just, like, he finally does it. Or Pete Dunne going back and taking a title off him and just being a transitional champion, something like that. But I'm all for his reign, don't get me wrong. I just think it's it's maybe gone a little bit too long and he's been built up just a little bit too strong now for it to be something that they can easily just have a title run or a title change and then move on with it. Yeah. Um, the three-way tag match was great. Yeah, I thought it was really good. You know, we all predicted MSK really. But I just feel sorry for Grizzly Young Veterans. Like all the time, they just seem to be in that you know top tier tag team. You know that that, that yeah. they're always in that number one contender spot. Yeah, and they always seem to be chasing. And I do, I agree. I feel sorry for them. I think you could put them on the main roster, and they would elevate the tag team division they would be something that they, the, the either main card at the moment doesn't have no so I feel like if they're not going to be if they're not going to pull the trigger on them in NXT and make them the champions and let them have a run as the champions what's the harm in bringing them into the main roster and letting them just be that heel tag team and just be that be that team that kind of pushes the division along a little bit because there's only so many times you can watch um, the New Day have matches or Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler have matches mm. I know the, the like the War Raiders come back and stuff or I can't yeah, remember what they're yeah War Raiders came back Street Profits but the tag team division is pretty bare yeah it is and I think it's, yeah. it's almost getting to a situation where they're just going to start throwing throwing tag teams together again and hoping that they stick and it just it seems pointless I know they've got the Hurt Business is a tag team, but apparently um, Vincent's come out now and said that he's got nothing for either of them. So I imagine their days are numbered already. Looking, <laughs> Some people's days were numbered, but... Uh, yeah, literally. We got into that in a bit, anyway. Uh, it was a, I don't think it was that surprising to see Raquel Gonzalez win. Mm, I, I was until I seen the match. And then, because I've, I've watched Raquel Gonzalez and I've seen her in matches, I didn't really realise how good she was. She's got the perfect balance of being like a monster heel yeah. in the terms of how she predicted. And like, I've already put my bets on for the Raw Rumble next year of who I think is going to win. And Raquel Gonzalez is one of them. I've got a real feeling that they're going to build her up as the immortal. She'll lose the title and then they'll push her straight into the main card. Yeah, um, interesting. Uh for me, the the spot I and mean, he always just jumps off of things. It's become yeah. one of my favourite spots. And I think we'll get onto it now regarding like Raw and SmackDown and whatnot. But it it seems it seems like a bit of a flat loss for Yo Shirai, um, yeah. like losing the title. But then she got her main spot. She jumped off that big skull. And I think that was that was kind of like that was her moment. That was her show stealing moment, like she does with the majority of matches she's in. She always seems to do something. She's almost I don't want to put in the same category of shame at man because you're very evident of my dismay for him. But like have that that big show stealing moment, almost like a Jeff Hardy. You know, at some point in the match, 
they're going to have a moment that he's talked about for a long period of time. And I think she had that. Um, so he's going to keep her kind of fresh in the mind. But mm-hmm. it was another great match. And it was good to see from this card that all the matches had a little bit of time. Even the pre-show match, Joey Stark versus Tony Storm, that had a little bit of time see, to just kind of get going. Match, so. It That's was good. It was just... It was your very. It was a very very generic. Go out, have ten minutes, and do what you can do. Match. It was good. They're both talented individuals. I really like Tony Storm. I think she's a great wrestler. But it was your. It was a very typical match. But they got ten minutes. They went pretty much bang on ten minutes, and you could throw that match into just an NXT on a on a Tuesday, and it wouldn't go unmissed. It'd be great for a filler. So all the matches on night one were about nine minutes fifty two. According to this, is the shortest one. Which is very rare when, you, like, in, from what I can remember of, a, of any sort of main event card, where all the people have been given a little bit of time to go out and do the best that they can. Uh, yeah. Um, talking about obviously they were in the main event. Uh, there was two women's main events if you really think about it on this weekend. Well, yeah, what? Week or weekend. Obviously, we we'll get onto. Like, you know, the other women's main event in a bit. But yeah, as I read, does Io go from here, though? Does she challenge again? Does she just, uh, you know, hang about? Because obviously there's been no call-ups, which is interesting how they just kept the roster just kind of... Nope, you're not getting... Like, it's been like two years now, two, three years, where there's been no call-ups after Mania. Yeah, nothing at all. And I think that's the more thing... If they came out and said, like, the reason behind the no call-ups was something to do with COVID or the restrictions, etc., etc., and you could kind of understand it, but they've given no justification as to why there was, there was no call-ups, and Io Shirai, absolutely, like, the perfect person to call up. The perfect the person to call up on any roster. Yeah. Like, if, you, if you think of somebody losing a belt, like, like now, they've kind of conditioned you before to, like, somebody's losing the belt, they're coming up. Now yeah. it's kind of like, hmm, we're just going to keep him here for a bit and maybe pull him up later on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when we talk about night two, um, we'll discuss the wins and losses there, but there's there's a couple of people on there that would be perfect call-ups to the main roster and they just haven't. And it just seemed like it was very, very null and void. And I think I've been very vocal about when we talk about Raw after WrestleMania, it's probably the worst Raw I've ever sat through and actually watched from start to finish. And I think we'll touch on that. Just as a whole. Bit. But yeah, the ladder match was a great ladder match. Unbelievable. Right. I think it was. It really showcased just how good both of them are. Yeah, some um, of the bumps. Like, oh. the, like the catapult bump and like when he, he takes the bump outside. Onto it, the they've got to be sore. But then it's like, okay, Jordan Devlin gets defeated. Okay, Santos Escobar's got the title. And then the Tuesday after Kushida comes and beats him, it's kind of like, so where are you going with Santos then? Why do you. Why do you like, the booking was weird to me. Like, yeah. no, no, don't get me wrong, I love Kushida, but just the booking was strange. I, think, I, I completely agree. I think when I was watching the match, um, I had a feeling that Santos Squad was going to win. Um, I think John Devlin will go back to NXT UK and he'll kind of just carry yeah, on doing, doing for a little bit. But then for, to have him win in the way that he did and like he unifies the, 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 the one the one for the NXT and have that big moment or the, the moment with his son and like the celebration of the ramp, 
And then his next defence, he loses it to Kishida, who lost in a match uh, or the opening match of Takeover. Of Takeover one. It just seems like why would you go through such a big elaborate match to then just have him lose the belt unless he's now going to get propelled into the North American Championship title because he is good enough. He is more than good enough. But the way the WWE is going at the moment, I really don't think he will. I I, I don't think he's going to be there or thereabout. I think he's just going to kind of... He'll probably become somebody like an Isaiah Surf Squat. Isaiah Surf Squat, should I say. He's just going to be part of gauntlet matches and stuff like that until they create some space for him. I hope not. I hope they've got something more decent for him than that. Because obviously he took the Cruiserweight title to new heights last year. You know, I, I think I don't think anybody would, would have been talking about the Cruiserweight title in a ladder match at 205 Live a few years ago. Yeah, absolutely yeah. not. And I think he's definitely elevated it. And I think there was some more elevation to do. I think he could have, they could have put him into a, a thing with Kushida and let him have a couple of matches or a little bit of a back and forth. But to go like, one and done. It just seems like they're desperate to have Kashida do something great, and they're just putting him into feuds where he's pro- not that he's like above the station in terms of who he's fighting, but he's been in some pretty high profile matches against people from the outset. So maybe the title's going to be where he goes from here. But then who's going to challenge Kashida? Because he's already been in big matches. So any match realistically for the people that they've got knocking around in two or five live and who they would class as a cruiserweight. Are they probably below the level of talent that Kashida's already been fighting on a weekly basis? Yes, that's an interesting point. I didn't look at it that way. I was looking at it like, oh, they're finally giving giving something to do, but it's the quality of opponents as well. Mm, I, I don't see who. I don't really see who he's gonna who he's gonna have matches with, unless he is against someone like. Would you class Pete Dunne as a cruiserweight, even though he calls himself a bruiserweight? No, I don't think you can class Pete. Pete Dunne's too much. Above that echelon. Yeah, no, I agree. But then it just it makes it begs the question. He's had a match against Pete Dunne and lost, and now who's his next match going to be? Going to be like gentleman Jack Gallagher. I don't even think he's with WWE anymore, but someone like that. I don't know if he's with him or not. I'm not sure. I could not tell you. The last time I seen him, he jumped into the um, was it the the Greatest Royal Rumble? He come out of his umbrella, which was about two years ago. That was the last time I seen anything of him. Yeah, I don't know if he's still with the company or not. I don't know. Sometimes I don't even remember who's there with them. Like, like they got they got some signing spree and then they just drop people, which is just the weirdest thing. Yeah, yeah. it's almost like sign and release. But I couldn't tell you a single person that's on two hundred five live. I couldn't tell you. I never watched it either. No, not not like when it began. I was watching it. I knew everybody on there. There were some great matches on there. It was kind of really good matches. Like the best, you know, the best kept secret of WWE that was but then obviously it's kind of you know just fizzled out of favour which is unfortunate but yeah um, the women's tag match was good yeah they did it was a lot better than what I thought it was going to be I thought this was going to be like the, the downfall um, not no disrespect to the talent that's in there they're all great all individually they're all, they're all solid wrestlers especially Shakti Blackheart I think Anyone that's probably watched the last five or six episodes of the podcast know about as a collective how highly we rate her. Yeah, I, th- I think... They did the best with the time they have. I don't understand just sticking her in a tag team after last year. Obviously, you know, her father passed away, which is pretty sad. Yeah, uh, condolences. I know, yeah. It must have been rough, in it? But, uh, yeah, and uh, Matt and Jeff's as well. 
which is a pretty much a bummer as well for them as well at the same time which uh, they're in different companies as well yeah to kind of not be able to I suppose if you're in the same company you'll have that little bit of closeness you'll have someone that's on hand that's kind of rely on but it must yeah. be difficult I can't imagine what it's like to lose a parent I'm lucky enough to be in a situation where I haven't had that situation yet but to have to go out and still perform and still have to do you like everything that you're doing on a daily basis it must be horrible so my heart does go out to all three of them as a as individuals and as a collective with the Harley brothers about the situation they're going through at the moment yeah it's just I don't know it's just really sad isn't it? to you know especially for short seekers who just kind of she's really just coming to her own yeah she has she does Obviously, just gets a singles run. Just you know, I think it's time for her to grab a singles run sooner oh, or later. Uh, we kind of touched on what you were saying about Bronson Reed and Gravano. It was a interesting match. I think the spot made is uh, the escape, the cartwheel escape. Yeah. Which is a crazy spot, and the the spot on the the apron was interesting as well. And he comes in for the DDT. I, do th- I, th- I really like Bronson Reed. I think he's a, I think he's great, but is it too much too soon? And I just a part of me when I watch like Johnny Gargano is always going to be an elite wrestler. He's he's unbelievable. If you I think you could put him in a match with Daniel Bryan and you'd have a mania match pretty much set up just the way that he wrestles. But the more I've watched it develop over the course of the last couple of months, the more I just feel that they're just building up for Austin Theory to turn and take the title. Yeah, but then, you know, Gargano's kind of, you know, he had the top title, you know, they, they don't see him as a top t- title guy, drops it, you know, gets stuck in, like, I don't say, I don't say, say the North American title is the mid-card title, but kind of, you know, it's kind of mid-card-ish, isn't it? Yeah, no, I would, I would agree that it's, it's probably above in terms of the mid-card title, just in the importance of it, but... I think it's relatively it's like the equivalent of maybe the United States Championship. Yeah, which is you know it's yeah, you know it's not that great. Uh, but but yeah, sorry. Touching on what you've just said there and about Shotzi, do you think it would be time, or do you think that the division is strong enough for them to bring in a women's mid card title, or do you think there's only enough now for the main event title? Just because you mentioned about Shotzi Blackheart and. It's her time to kind of have a singles run. Do you think that the women's division should have like a mid card title to push towards as well? But then, what they're gonna call the mid card title? That's the problem, isn't it? Yeah, true. How, how they gonna work a mid card title? I, I, will, I would love a mid card title. Obviously, I know a lot of the Japanese promotions have a few different mid card titles. In yeah. There, you know, obviously they they had thingy on camera as well, didn't they? Um, the new signing. Sorry or something like yeah, that. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, they had the mid, you know, they had her come up. So I'm not against the idea of having a mid card title because obviously yeah. the talent roster in NXT is, you know, they got a really big talent women's talent roster. But it's how they're gonna work it, and are they gonna use that belt as a, you know, the belt that gets them to the NXT, you know, women's title. Yeah, as a platform, and I think you might have just summed it up there. Maybe that is what Io Shirai is gonna. That's maybe her next thing is to kind of introduce Saray into the business and introduce her into the kind of and have a little bit of a 
some sort of but promo. In, uh, into WWE, probably. Yeah, and then just kind of build from there. Yeah, in between the business. Like, because she's been in the business for a while, and it, it's just like a different style, and it. Yeah, yeah so we kind of developed, but hopefully it all works out. I think. Yeah. I just struggle to see what they're going to do with Johnny Gargano if he loses that title because I think they, I think James touched on it last two weeks ago when we spoke. I think they should have pulled the trigger on bringing him up a couple of years back now, and I just don't think it's going to have the same impact as it would have done if they brought him up when they had the chance previously. I think it becomes synonymous with that North American title. Yeah, it's like it's his title now, yeah. so he's going to get down as yeah, the, probably like, the greatest North American champion or something like that. Yeah, no, I probably agree. Yeah. Uh, the, the interesting shocker one for me was Cameron Cross actually winning because the way Finn was controlling that match was very very interesting. You know, with the leg kicks, yeah, and like you know chopping him down, you know hitting him hitting him with the coup de gras as well. You know, obviously the psychology of the match kind of like fooled me into thinking Finn was gonna eventually win it. Yeah, I agree. Unbelievable storytelling from start to finish. Even just the way at the beginning where he was just he was just trying to wind him up and he was just trying to wind him up um, and go from there. I really think it was it was great from start to finish, and I'm surprised by how the match ended. Um, and then just yeah, like it's quite abrupt. Yeah, it did seem to be just quite abrupt. It was just all of a sudden it was like there was like the superplex and then a couple of forearms, and then that was pretty much game over. Yeah, uh, but it does emphasise him as carrying cross as a monster. But then almost you get into a situation with the same as Walter is who's going to be next to take the title off him. Yeah, does he get a rematch with Finn, or does Finn get a rematch? Or Cause I don't see Finn kind of now they've gave carrying cross the belt. I don't see Finn winning back the belt. I don't see him hot potato in the belt. Yeah, I would agree, and I think we touched on it earlier. I think. Finn Balor's another one that would have been the perfect return to the, the main roster. Yeah. In terms of either Raw or SmackDown, bring him back into the title. Would you put him back in the title picture? Probably not, but he's the perfect person to just bring back in and you can put him in any kind of situation and he's going to bring money to the, into the main roster. Yeah, it would have, yeah. Uh, like I said, I don't know what's going on over there right now with call-ups or whatever. It just—it seems like they're playing the long game with call-ups. Yeah, and I think it's—I don't know they want to build cards and stuff, and they're like maybe they thought it was too soon to bring people up when they're gonna be getting rid of people within the same week as well or the same couple of weeks. Maybe they thought about it as being a kick in the teeth that they—they've brought in new talent to the main roster and then got rid of talent from the main roster, but they just seem—it seems to get to a point now where they're almost a little bit thin on the ground with the main roster talent like it's always the same people that are hovering around for the mid card titles it's always the same people hovering around for the main titles at the moment yeah. it just seems like they need something to freshen it up yeah, as to what yeah. they do yeah. yeah like obviously we're going to the you know weekends after you know the shows after Mania in a bit but um, Kyle O'Reilly defeating Adam Cole like the theme songs were terrible yeah. That's the one thing I'm going to say right now. Adam Cole should have kept the Undisputed Era music. Like, Cole's music. I, I liked... His look was interesting. You know. And, like, I really liked the, you know, the change of the, you know, the ring ropes. Yeah. And, like, the mat 
and everything kind of saying like this is a different kind of match this is not the NXT kind of match Which yeah was... it, it give you that it give you like that kind of gritty like fight feel and not so much a match but it was just going to be a war um, yeah, and they very much delivered on that. They had some serious spots, like the chair spot. Yeah, uh, the like it reminded me of the fight without honor. I don't know if you've watched that. Like, um, I don't. Ring of Honor. They had a championship match, but about two, two, three years ago, before well, before they came to I'm NXT, not. probably. Yeah, I've heard about it. So it kind of started around that, and the finish was pretty much the same. But obviously, the finish of the fight without honor was like a figure four into the chain, which they did do. But then yeah. Carl, Carl hits him with the knee with the chain wrapped around him, doesn't he? Yeah. Now that high knee. It is uh, obviously they've made you know Kyle O'Reilly now kind of beating Adam Cole. So where do both of them go? I think yeah, and I I completely agree. And I think for me now. I don't know. I like Kyle O'Reilly as a performer, but I feel like he's got some building before you could put him in to a, like a main event picture. I think Adam Cole's already built in there, and I think Adam Cole's another one which I was surprised that didn't get the call up. Yeah, or get fully surprised. Yeah, I was like, oh. Just... but it was a great match, and I think if you had it the other way round, I think Cole beat O'Reilly. I think there'd be something there to have a rematch. But I just think that O'Reilly winning just seemed to kind of just end that feud. Now that it seems to just be done and sorted, um, and then they've kind of just moved it on to anywhere else. It, they're just going to take some building. I just don't feel like even with this match, I don't feel like they've built anyone up enough to be warranted going into a feud now with Carry On Cross. Yeah, that's true. But as a match, and as exactly what you mentioned um, with the change of the ropes and the mat, and just that that gritty kind of fight feel. I think it was great the way that it was set up and I think the match as a whole was another brutal match. It was the storytelling throughout it was great. The spots throughout it were great. The majority of the match was clean. I think it's another match that I would put in there as one of the matches of the weekend, certainly. Yeah, it was a great main event of the second weekend. Yeah, definitely. And it was the right main event to go with as well. Yeah, um, see, that was, I thought, was interesting. Because like, I, I really, I thought that Karrion Cross and Finn Balor would be the last match. Yeah, I thought that as well, yeah. But I thought that yeah, would have been semi-main, but... It went on as well. I can't remember the last time I seen a one-on-one match that went 40, 40 minutes, minutes or so. And the NXT as well, 40 minutes. Yeah, that's huge. And I think it, it was warranted. It wasn't a long 40 minutes. I've watched 40-minute matches, which were an absolute chore to get through. Yeah. But to go through 40 minutes and have a match of that length... I thought it was great and it's like just looking at it now I mean, when we'll talk about the main card in a bit it was like half the length of Wrestlemania Night 2 would, would have been just that one match yep but yeah. overall great show to summarise great show great main event I think the I think the match placement as well of the individual matches was great I think they did it in such a good way um, that for me it's like you would get with NXT every single time you watch an NXT show just another great event another great wrestling match and wrestlers actually given time to go and have a wrestling match and do what they can do and it shows it shows in the results of the matches and how good they are yeah 
um, we'll now go on to uh, Mania, which was a. Uh, there's been a few wrestling events recently that have been marred by bad weather, or like Mother Nature. Yeah. Like, um, uh, we had New Japan with the earthquake, and now you had the 40 minute kind of delay on um, the first night of WrestleMania. Uh, Paul Heyman's promo on SmackDown was great, though. I don't know if you caught that. Um, I've his, seen the results of SmackDown. I haven't watched it yet, like, so I haven't actually seen his... Uh... Like his promo, when he was talking about why the why rain happened on 91, was absolutely just just something else, like poetry. Yeah. And like You just have to kind of see what he was saying. It was like the tears falling down on a, a, a Tropicana field was because of... a. The beating Roman Reign, the heavens knew that the beating Roman Reign was, was going to give uh, Edge and Daniel Bryan like some, something like that along those lines. Just insane. It's Paul he's Heyman's good. promo skills. Yeah, he's just unbelievable. He's always going to get down as one of one of the best ever. One of the best ever. Talks to the mic. You can give him the mic and let him just literally say, just do what you want for a little bit, and he'll always produce something that is beyond what most people can plan to create. He's just a bona fide Hall of Famer. Yeah, 100%. I'm surprised he hasn't been in there already. Yeah, I am, so I'm quite surprised why he hasn't been, especially looking at some of the names that are getting a shoot at the moment. Yeah. Um, I definitely think he's a, he'll be there or there, but whenever he decides to retire, I'm I surprised. think he'll be probably as an be in. I'm surprised he's in before, Rob Van Dam was in before Paul Heyman. Yeah, like the, the innovator of ECW, and yeah. then you've got Rob Van Dam who... He had a great. I didn't realize how many things that he won. To be fair, Rob Van Dam. No, but, he had a lot of titles. People don't really yeah, know. Yeah, I am surprised that he got the he got the call up before Paul Heyman. I do agree with that. But yeah, we'll go on. Uh, obviously, the post match promos were pretty interesting. I really enjoyed them. I thought it was quite uh, quite good. I, I like yeah, Kevin Owens' promo. Drew's promo was quite good. Uh, for me it was just it was natural because that wasn't it wouldn't have been planned so they would have just been told to go out and kind of do something and it's amazing what they can do when they're just on the spot and you can't that kind of for me justified how difficult it must be and how good they actually are to just be able to go out and just fill five minutes and cut a promo and then just transition between people everyone in the back I seen I think was it Triple H he might have been Triple H um, or was it Randy Orton oh it was Randy Orton on the bump um, he did like his thing about how well everyone just pulled together, how well everyone just kind of knuckled down and got everything sorted as a group. And he said that's the first time in his career that he's had a, like a, an event postponed due to a rain delay. But he was very complimentary about how well everyone kind of just banded together in order to get everything back on back on track. But I would like to say whoever decided to put Samoa Joe in a poncho should get sacked because <laughs> it was. Outrageous because nothing could have ever prepared for me to see Samoa Joe in a poncho, and then I seen it and I thought, You've literally <laughs> had one of the toughest people that you could ever imagine to be in a wrestling ring, and you've put a poncho on him outside. And I thought, I was just, That's when I knew his character was done. I didn't expect to happen, what has happened, and we'll talk about that later. But <laughs> yeah, it certainly, it, it certainly baffled me. Let's just say he had his WrestleMania moment, that's, yeah. that's his WrestleMania moment. <laughs> Putting him in Second a only to probably Mandy Rose's. Oh that. my god, uh, yes. that was on re- repeat so many times. Oh, 
dress that hard. She's been a she's been a great sport about it though. Like she's been she's handled it in probably the best way possible. Yeah, slightly tighter, so not even tighter, so it is tighter as a rod slide. Yeah. Turned it into a thing, and yeah, she's done ace of it, and then WWE took the first chance to get to ruin it. But we'll talk about that later as well. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Lashley and MVP. I mean, with with MVP, not against MVP. <laughs> that might be a match in the future. Uh, that was, is really interesting that you caught me off guard to see Drew not winning in front of fans. Yeah, I was really surprised by that as well. I thought that was a shooting. I thought that was the most predictable yeah. match of the night. And to give him the pass out spot as well, it, it solidified Bobby Lashley as like an elite at the moment in terms of like like a big monster, like a monster heel. But it also means that like it's just they're now going to have a match of backlash. Yeah. As a, like, and it just seems like he's wild. Like he's made you pass out now. Like there's nothing you can do in the match. If he makes you pass out again, McIntyre as a character is done. And if he just wins by a pinfall, it's going to be less effective than the match that they've already had at WrestleMania. Yeah, and because it's not in front of fans now as well. It's just, yeah, yeah, it's just like, they can't now let him win when he's not in front of fans. Yeah, because you took Drew's moment away in front of fans. Like, last year he didn't have no fans. You're going to do the same thing again to the poor guy. Unless... They wait until they've got full fans in next year and let him have his big WrestleMania moment then. But I can't imagine they've planned that far ahead. Are they? Are they really gonna like? You know, if if Drew, if it's gonna be some screwy finish. Yeah, I, it can't, I think it can't, so. it can't be Drew. Somebody straight losing, somebody straight winning because it makes them both look weak now. Yeah, like, I agree. It, it makes it makes Drew look really, really weak. Because obviously he carried everything through the pandemic era. You get to WrestleMania, you give him that, you know. You don't even give him his, you know, his moment that he was due in front of fans this year. Like being the first match on as well, and the the, pro, pro, the promo he cut beforehand made me think, oh yeah, Drew's gonna actually win this thing, and then he kind of gets screwed out of it, which is not great. I just think they've, I think they've backed themselves into a corner now in terms of what they can and can't do. I'm happy for Bobby Lashley. I think he's always been a good in-ring talent. I think leaving and going to TNA and then coming back and producing what he's done is great. And I think the MVP, very much like with Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman, Bobby Lashley's MVP always been a good performer. Roman Reigns has always been a great wrestler, but they were just they wasn't the greatest on the mic. And now he's got someone there. It's built him into a credible champion. I think Bobby Lashley looks like a credible champion there. Yeah, with MVP especially being his mouth, that kind of the old mouthpiece. Kind of uh, interesting to see where they go. Uh, the tag team trauma match was pretty interesting, especially with you know the screw ups that happened. There was three major screw ups. One was Mandy, two was Cole getting moves wrong, and the third was um, the finish. Like Cole kind of saying that no uh, thingy uh, uh, was it great? I think it was Greg Hamilton who called out the wrong person winning yeah halfway through when when it's when um, the Riot Squad won and then yeah. they called out that Mandy Rose then I brought one I think it was just a little bit of a a little bit of a mismatch it was it was good um, as much as I like Natalia and Tamina I don't think they were doing anything wrong I think it was a weird weird set of people to have win the match I think Lana and Naomi going out first after so short a period of time I think was a bit weird because I think Naomi's a great wrestler 
But then also having Billy Kay and Carmella, the fact that they built as almost a storyline over Billy Kay trying to get a tag team partner and trying to get a WrestleMania moment and get a, get a match at WrestleMania. So then just have them out second. It seemed like it was it was it was just pointless. Like you could have just taken them two teams out of it and just had a straight match with the actual only tag team in there in the right squad. And maybe Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose or Mandy Rose just because they're becoming a little bit of a tag team. Yeah, like Liv Morgan and Ruby Ryan are the are the team that have been around for such a long time. And I was like, when the announcement came, I was watching. I was like, you what? I was like, what, what? and then he goes, no, I have to correct myself. I was like, you surprised your trans fans in chat? You fucked up. Yeah, and just got him straight away. They probably edited it out. Maybe but, on on the feed because I was watching it. I probably just, I watched it a day after, so I don't know what the, what the feed was like live. So yeah, I, I, I can't remember hundred percent what it was like. But when you just mentioned that about editing things out, I think if I'm not mistaken, um, I'll have to fact check this because I was watching a video about it just before I finished work. I'm pretty sure they've edited out. Samoa Joe in the poncho from the from WrestleMania 37. If you watch it now, from what it was on live, I'm pretty sure that was then edited out something to do with Samoa Joe um, in the actual one that you can now see on on the network. Mm. That's not nice. Which I think is a bit harsh. And then I suppose Natalia and Tamina winning. Uh, probably as horrible as it sounds, but really couldn't care less. This was probably the only match of both weekends which I really wasn't really excited for with the exception of night two and the actual the fallout of the tag team match yeah. um, that was the only ones that I just I, I really didn't have any real care for in terms of what they went yeah Cesaro and Seth was just a classic yeah it was unbelievable just, just there like what, what they were doing on the indies basically yeah literally uh, it was just two good wrestlers just the swings and the um, the aeroplane spin with no hands even though they're trying to like ram it down our throats now every yeah. time you're watching like on Smackdown I bet like I was watching Smackdown yesterday and there's like four to five times there was just mentioning Cesaro swinging you know not, not swinging doing the aeroplane spin basically for, on Seth Rollins and it was kind of like oh okay like I know now like you, you, know, you can show me once in it you know I know it's incredible you don't have to show me a hundred million times to get it through my head. I couldn't imagine how strong you've got to be to do that. Like, I watched, um, I don't know how I come across it, but I watched Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole versus Cesaro and Cassius Ono, I think it was. Or, oh, what was his actual name? Yeah, it was Chris Hero. Chris Hero, that's the one. Um, I watched their match and he wrestles very much similar. Like, the development and how he's become now. He's just he just keeps improving and keeps improving and like to his do his do his spins round for did he twenty three in a in a in one section was yeah, it yeah one section was twenty three and then he did an extra two or three in it and then it was just like to be able to do that is unreal I just hope now like you've mentioned with the aeroplane spin that they don't oversaturate it with the yeah. stuff that he does and then he ends up getting disliked by the the fans just because he's he's Aer- constantly on the screen yeah always aeroplane spin guy. Yeah, they replaced Bingo. But in terms of a match, I think you, if you look at that, you could put that for a world title and main event of WrestleMania and no one about an Ollie Daddy. Seth's corkscrew, like the corkscrew uh, thing that he did off the top of was it a cork, yeah. corkscrew moonsault? Yeah. It was something like that. I've, I've never seen him bust that out before. 
No, that's a good point, actually. He seems like he's changing his style a little bit. He's built like a high flyer. And I think in, maybe he's going to start incorporating bits and pieces. But in, in NXT, he was kind of like a high flyer. He's, I think he's been careful with the stuff that he does, isn't he? Like picking his yeah. spots, like the timing of that. You know, in a big spot of putting that out. You know, the stuff that they did that we, we never seen, like nobody seen before them doing WWE. You know? Obviously, in, in the Indies, you've probably, you've probably seen, some, seen it somewhere beforehand, but. Yeah. You haven't seen it for years, and you're like, oh, he's, still, he's got that in his arsenal. Yeah, and still got it. It's like, I think it's just an addition to how good of a wrestler he is. I would still say, for me personally, the boldest statement is I would still put him top five in the WWE at the moment. Yeah. Just in terms of talent. Yeah, and obviously, we'll get on to kind of. I've, you've seen the SmackDown results, haven't you? Yeah, I've seen the SmackDown results. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, this one was the most interesting one for me. Um, Almas and AJ defeating the New Day. The ma- the way the match was structured was interesting because like you had AJ in it for a lot of the time and you know you kind of had um, you know Xavier Wood calling out you know commentary doing like bits and pieces talking about um uh, what was it he was talk he's like kind of talking about you're not a real tag team we're cutting off the ring like his own commentary basically yeah which I find yeah. interesting. But then when AJ gets the hot tag, boy, almost is something else. Yeah, almost. It might be the slowest hot tag I've ever seen in my whole life. Because you didn't exactly take his like, burst to get into the ring. And a few bits and pieces did make me laugh. Like, um, it was a great match, don't get me wrong. And they have built almost up to be like, like a monster. And there was just bits and pieces like when AJ went to get the tag and almost his hand was quite clearly long enough for him to tag all he had to do was move it down and you still just held it there to try and create that illusion that you, you couldn't get tagged um, his ring attire I thought was a bit you've dressed up exactly how you dress up normally you haven't put any ring attire on of any description and then just the way that the commentary was it was building it up like your normal kind of you've got like a little like the small guy who's the heel who's not the greatest wrestler and he relies on the big guys kind of carrying through like you've seen in classic kind of matches almost like like Enzo Amore and Big Cass that kind of thing yeah but completely alluding to the fact that AJ Styles is one of the best wrestlers in the world they're almost like they just, it sounded like they was they was kind of trying to put almost over by dumbing down how good AJ Styles was yeah but everyone knows how good AJ is yeah you kind of like you kind of like you just like going in we kind of mentioned that it's going to be a showcase for almost in the end, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, and that did exactly what it did. AJ become a Grand Slam champion, which is and great the visual, well. like the visual was great. Like almost like putting AJ on your shoulders, and like now yeah. you got you got, basically you got what Braun Strowman was supposed to be, with almost. Yeah. yeah. No, exactly. As long as they don't mess him up. I would yeah. like to hope that they've learned from the mistakes they made with Braun Strowman and kind of just let him develop. But I do wonder how much I've been. I've not really seen any matches of him. I've not seen the matches when he read like just like his development match and stuff. Um, how good a wrestler he is, or how limited he is in terms of what he can do in the ring. Obviously, I'm not expecting him to do drop kicks off the top rope like the Big Show did in WCW. But I, I think he's just how much be he can do. Big, you know, bruiser guy just. Slamming people and like he's seven foot four. I mean, you don't you don't need him to be doing like the Keith Lee things like you know, 
moon songs yeah. or Holy Quranas or anything like that. You know what I mean? You just keep it simple and you just then beat people up. You know, put somebody through an ant table here and there. You know, that's all he needs to do, really. Yeah, be a more athletic version of what the great Kali was, I suppose. Yeah, probably, probably yeah. The easiest way to describe him. Yeah, and then he had... Uh, it was pretty short, to be fair. Shame at Man and Brunch drama was only 11 minutes. No, this less time like Shepard minutes. Man's on my screen, the bell. <laughs> I think you must have been happy when he took that bump, though. I was... Yeah, I was, to be fair. I was... I'll give him his props. Well, credit where credit's due. He did do well. And he took him... That's, that's got to be a heavy bump to take. I was surprised he didn't go through the ring. Um, when I seen it, I thought it, it just seemed like it was a kind of spot that had put him through the ring. But he sells his part well. I can't disregard that. I think he puts himself into a lot of situations where he doesn't need to be. But when he's in the ring, he does sell his part well. And he did sell the whole match well. I think, I my, think my favourite thing was Bron ripping the cage apart. Yeah, like just tearing the one corner of it to pull yeah, him back through. Because I thought he was going to pull him over it or pull yeah, him back yeah, over yeah. it. When he grabbed him by the hand. And it wasn't. It was a clever spot. I'll give him that. Um, yeah, that and was... overall, it was... It was kind of the match I expected. I did I did think that Shane McMahon was going to win. I thought that Braun was going to do something stupid as they built it up over the last couple of months um, to the point where like, he dropped Shane McMahon outside the ring and he won. But the fact that Shane McMahon took the loss, can't go up with it. No. I enjoyed it. I, and I was happy that, you know, obviously with all the rain that happened, nothing extremely bad happened to both, you know, both of them because it was pretty slippy that first night. Yeah, That's I did see like a lot of people saying that it was slipping. That to clean, but I heard that to clean the cage up like five minutes beforehand. In like, order to get make sure that it was yeah, dry enough to wipe down the cage. Yeah. I didn't actually take into consideration the fact that the cage was hanging from ceiling. Yeah, or was it was raining, so it was definitely getting pelted. Yeah, it was getting pelted. Yeah, and they were doing those spots like right, you know, trying to climb over, getting climbed over, stuff like that. Something could have easily went wrong. And yeah, Shane just was in trainers. Yeah, it's not wrong. It's not, you know, grip ain't great in trainers. <laughs> Trust me. Nah, don't play to him, I'll, I'll give him credit where credit's due, as much as I don't like him. I'll give him credit where credit's due. It, it was a good match. This was one of the most interesting ones in Bad Bunny, and they finally put it into a tag match like the, the last week, didn't they? Like, because it was supposed to be a singles match, then they made it back into a tag match. And I was like, okay. Just Bad Bunny was just. I hate to say, he outshone Damien Priest. Yeah, he did. He took a lot of the match as well. He was in the match a long time. I did hear regarding Damien Priest that, like, even to the morning of the event, that they were still checking to make sure that he was good enough to go. I think that's apparently why Bad Bunny had a lot more of the match in terms of what was going like, on in, in ring activity. But I think there's a lot of. There's definitely a bold claim for. Bad Bunny to be classed as probably the best non-wrestler to have a match in the WWE because I think he was he was as good as you'd expected if not more like I would never expect any person who has come from a non-wrestling background to do a Canadian Destroyer although 95% of it was John Morrison doing a backflip yeah I think the fact that he put himself in there he sold well I think he he performed well he did a more than what you probably would expect and he made it a credible match it, it let Damien Priest be the hot tag when he needed to be the hot tag and I think Miz and Morrison as good as they are they did the job as well 
Yeah, yeah. It was very, very interesting the way uh, they've structured that match. And obviously, you know, obviously Bad Bunny is kind of the vignette that Triple H did with him saying, you know, get out of here now. Go do one. You know, after his entrance. Yeah, he got a big entrance as well. He got like a he got a, he got like a mainstay entrance, which was a surprise. Yeah, like few of the entrances, like I I'd like bit some of them were a bit lackluster. Ninety one, they're just like standard entrances. Yeah, like whether whether the weather paid a part in it and what they could get or what they could do, or whether they had to cut things in terms of just out of safety. But it did seem like it was very it was very like dull in terms of just the way that people came down to the ring and just the way that it was kind of introduced in terms of the matches. Yeah. Uh, you had Bianca and Sasha, which is probably the right call for the main event. I would agree, definitely. I think this shows just how good Sasha Banks is in the ring as a wrestler. I think for Bianca Belair to be so small in stature but so strong to carry somebody upstairs and then put them in the ring is outrageous I don't think I could carry my Xbox up the stairs above my head without getting tired <laughs> and she's carried a whole human being up the stairs I think it yes that was a great spot that was yeah, the match was good I think it showed the rawness of it as well the fact that um, Bianca Belair was like emotional at the beginning it shows how much it meant to her um, and then, I don't know if you've seen the picture of Sasha Banks after the match when she's sitting outside the ring and she looks like she's like like a proud mum, like she looks upset while um, Bianca Belair's in the ring celebrating. So it must mean it must mean a lot to them. And I've seen a picture of there was Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, Asuka, um, Bailey, and somebody else. And they, there's like it's a picture of them whilst they're watching that match or watching the like. The ending of the match and they all look like they're all emotional so it must have been like a big moment for obviously it was a big moment for Bianca Belair but just in terms of like a passing of the guard or the fact that it was like another women's main event the first single women versus women or woman versus woman main event um that kind of put it together I think it was a it was a big moment for WWE it was a big step for WWE um and like you said I think the right person won and uh, the hair whip spot Oh, that welt on the side of Sasha Banks at the end. Yeah, it looked so like she'd been slashed with a like a knife, like it was horrendous. Like but... How heavy is her hair? That's yeah, it must be when you see her hair, like boy, that that it thing was... that thing's a weapon. It, it was literally like cracking a whip. That's what it sounded like. like. It sounded like a gunshot. That man, right. yeah, you know, being cliche to say like it sounds like a gunshot, but it literally did sound yeah. like a gunshot. Yeah, actually, she, she was on SmackDown. She still had the mark. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's real or not. I added anything to it, but it looked pretty yeah. legit on SmackDown. Yeah, it did, man. That was it. Was a wild spot. It was a wild spot. And then oh, when they did it, I always thought that they made like a noise, or well, obviously not slap the leg because as we've seen in the photos that have come out, it's banned. But I didn't realize what had made such a loud noise. And then when I seen her at the end of the match, and she was sitting on the side, and he like that. Was there, I thought she was cut. I thought he'd like he'd cut her skin open. Yeah, the finish was the finish was like Cole's calling out the wrong finish again. 
Yeah, somebody said, oh, Sasha's like, Sasha's won. And I was like, no. Bianca hit the KOD, gets the one, two, three. Yeah, it's just, I just, it baffled me because it's very unlikely. It's like a unicorn when Michael Cole makes a mistake because there's so few and far between. But it just seems like, it didn't seem with it. No, it seemed off. That yeah, first night, it seemed off. I don't know if it was the delay or something. Something maybe his, his notes have kind of gone to plan or his timing gone to plan or gone to pot, should I say. But yeah, like just calling that thing, it just seemed like the, just the brain delay as a whole, just put, in terms of the production side of things, just put everyone on the back foot from start to finish. Yeah, like it was really off that night, but yeah. Night one was probably one of my favourite, probably the my favourite night. Yeah, I would agree. I would completely agree. I think night one was. I think probably could have swapped night one and night two round, and it would have made more sense. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but then obviously, <laughs> we're going to go on to night two now. We have um, Randy Orton and the Fiend, which is the most interesting part for me was the Fiend's entrance, and that in the finish, like the rest of it was like that red tint. You just yeah. cannot see anything. Like, I enjoyed Alexa Bliss, you know, with the Jack in the Box thing, and the like, the theme comes back as like this, like himself again, which is like we were we were like, how's he gonna wrestle in that with the other burnt up stuff? But obviously, he comes back as the normal fiend, and like, the match was okay. It was really short, like, but the timing yeah it was only five minutes, but like, that the red tint just put that completely throws me off. And like the finish, like the finish was something out of nowhere. You're like what? It just left you thinking what? Yeah, and like I, I, wh- why? Yeah. Why is he defeat? Why? Why is he okay? I am defeating him again. Just, uh, just, just like that. No, I, I really nothing to add. Absolutely agree with it. Um, very short match. I hope the red team doesn't stay because it's it's awful. And when they had the red tint with the red hell in a cell, you couldn't see anything. I think that was the time they needed to call it off. Michael Cole again made me laugh when he was like, it's a box-like structure. So I just say it's a jack-in-the-box because that's what it that's is. That's what it is, yeah. And then just the match was so short and they <laughs> built up to be so immortal. Set on fire, he come back, he had a little bit of... It was like a very 80s effect when he dissolved his like burns into just being the normal thing. And then he lost with one RKO and that was it. But he no-sold moves in the, earlier in the match. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Alexa Bliss has looked at him and then he's lost there. They could have done something silly like Alexa Bliss drained his powers if yeah. they really wanted to. But he just to lose just with an arcade and that's it. And then that's that's by the looks of it, the end of the feud. And the feud has ended on a five-minute arcade at WrestleMania. Seems like the last, what, like, God, sounds like about 12 months of this feud going on. It just, it just makes it seem so pointless as a feud now. Like, well, why? What is she now? Is she like Sister Abigail? Is she like what is she? Because I know she cuts this promo on Raw saying, uh, "I'm evil or whatever. I don't need him or etc. Whatever." I was like, "What are they leading to with this?" Yeah, like they've said that like she in her promo, she like she said the darkness was holding her back, and she's found a new evil in this doll called Lily, and whether this doll now is gonna possess her or not. And then Bray Wyatt's done a one about how he feels reborn and it's time for a change, etc., etc. And I've got a real horrible feeling that probably not that they're going to make Bray Wyatt like 
the opposite direction and he becomes like the savior and he becomes like the ultimate good guy but i've got a very very weird feeling that they're gonna make bray Wyatt become like the savior of alexa bliss or something stupid like that I just don't know what they're doing with him. It's kind of falling into that, you know, the old Bray Wyatt gimmick. Yeah, absolutely. Like before, think... before when you come out and you're making him no sell and whatever and like beat everybody and like you know give him a title, and now you just kind of like you kind of like he's back to square one basically. Just sad. Yeah, literally. And I think your your expression there summed everything up about this match and Bray Wyatt in general at the moment. Just aside, like we've spoken on the podcast multiple times about what could be what they should do what they can do and haven't done anything of it and he, he is now back to square one and he they built a character or i say they built he built a character that was one of the best things on wwe for a, a, quite a while had a great match yeah. with john cena um and the way that they produced that and he has literally gone all the way full circle and he's, he's back to square one and they're expecting him to now do it all again in the hope of getting some cheap TV out of it, because I think it's stupid if they are. I think I think his revenge tour was the most interesting thing. When he started out his revenge tour. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, just getting revenge on everybody who did him wrong, and you know, but obviously that, but it always went downhill when he lost to Goldberg, and that's when he started. Yeah, I think it's it. Then it was just gone downhill from there, and it's just. You've completely diluted one of the best things that was on TV. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's, it's another, it's another big loss for the fiend in a short period of time, in yeah. terms of a, in terms of a short match. And two, two losses as well. Yeah, you can't have him sell or no sell moves, and then lose, literally lose just to an RKO. Yeah, it's just terrible, it's, terrible booking. Yeah, they've just washed him out. Yeah, but you were going on about this, like the finish of the women's tag title match, which you found interesting. I think it just it, I just it made it just makes no sense. Like I just I don't one I don't like Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, um, as a whole. But I think Shayna Baszler's hurt another wrestler with a knee as well. Was that Asuka? Um, she caught yeah because obviously she uh, Asuka before now she's hurt. Um. Oh, Natalia, when she need Natalia in the mouth. Literally. Yeah, she yeah, need Natalia in the mouth. The thing, Shana, is stiff ski. Yeah, she's definitely, she definitely <laughs> stiff. She but... looks stiff skis, man. I wouldn't, I legit wouldn't mess with her. She's been yeah. with some legit. She's trained, but she's trained legit by Josh Barnett and you know Billy Robinson. Like you, legit, you don't want to mess with that girl. Yeah, she's, she's a genuine fighter. She's yeah. a genuine fighter. She's trained but... by some legit people, but she's hurting people in the ring, obviously. It's not great. Obviously, talking about, you know, just pivoting away from, you know, that thing between... Well, we just mentioned about Josh Barnett. The blood sport event was interesting. Yeah, like, they... I've seen the, the majority of the, the main event. event. Yeah, I've seen the main event, yeah. and it was, it was just brutal from start to finish, which is what you'd expect from both of them, to be honest. Yeah, I think blood sport's becoming one of the... Like the highlights of kind of the indie scene right now. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't hear anything of it, anything of it for ages, and then all of a sudden, the first time I heard about it, it just becomes now like a big thing. And there's, there's they they go in the right way about the people that they get. They're not bringing in people that are going to kind of fake it. They're yeah. bringing in people that are are used to it and watching like the way that 
Dean Ambrose does his stuff, or John Moxley as he is now, like having him involved in that match. So I'd, I'd seen him in CZW, but I never really watched much of it. Um, but I did go back and watch because I've seen that the series three of um, oh, the Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah, it's coming up. Yeah. That's coming back out, and one of them's about Nick Cage, or Nick Gage, I think he's called. Yeah. Um, and about the match that he has with John Moxley with the pizza cutter and stuff like that. So I watched mm-hmm. a few of his stuff. When, um, when's that starting again? Um, the sixth of May. Apparently, oh, yeah. it comes out. I don't know if that's on UK television or just on you know, in America, but it's on Vice TV. So yeah, I did, I did see a couple of them. So I know that there is because um, of that Nick Cage. There's. To be fair, since Dark Side of the Rings come out, damn, they've hit a home run like constantly. Yeah, one of the best wrestling behind the scenes like wrestling TV shows. Yeah, absolutely. I think the I think the first one's Brian Pillman, which will be a, a great watch. Yeah, it's uh, be on the Thursday. Normally, Channel Four get it a bit later than. Uh, they kind of get it late, so you'd have to probably watch it from an American stream. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in them because all the ones I've watched so far, I think have been really good. I think they've been really well done as well. Yeah, but Shane is. She's in the Nia Jax realm at the moment, injuring people left, right, and centre. Yeah, just injuring people. I just think it's just. I just think the wrong people was in the main event, and I think the wrong team won. And it was it was it was a very typical. Didn't see the tag. Went for a finisher. And then Shayna got in, choked her out, end of the match. And it was just, it just seemed very, it seemed very pointless. I just, I think when we talk about Raw in a little bit, just the stuff that they're doing with Nijax now just seems pointless. I think they're just like, they're kind of using her as the butt of a joke. So I do feel a bit sorry for her in a sense of the word, but the tag team is just, it just seems to me pointless. It's almost sucked the whole life out of the, the tag team championship. There is no real women's tag team matches. No, there's, no, there's no women's tag teams on the main roster, really, apart from Mandy Rose and you know and Ruby Riot and that. And there's no, yeah. you know, the, now that NXT have got their own titles, you know, they could, you know, you could dip. You, they used to dip back in between NXT and stuff, in it, but now yeah. you can't. They can't even do that unless they do like a unification thing, which that's not not going to happen, is it? Yeah, so, no, there's, no, there's no one that they can really create. They had the Iconics, which was an actual tag team. Yeah. Um, we all know what's happened there, but they got split up. And they're just they're not building any tag teams. Like the, I can see the the premise between um, Tamina and Natalia, and how it's like they've both had fathers who have been successful in WWE. But it's just like you can't just put a team together. That like looking back at the tag team turmoil match, they've put Billy Kay and Carmella together pointless Lana and Naomi pointless and then I know that they're really trying something with Liv Morgan not Liv Morgan with uh, Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke and the way that they're going to look and they're just the same and they act the same but yeah. when we get on to Roy in a bit you'll understand that that's also dead in the water yeah uh, my favourite match was KR and Sammy yeah just seeing them going full circle from the indies to like Wrestlemania was just great I was like I was happy for both of them. And like KO has been at Manias, but he's not he's not been in the upper echelons of Mania, which makes me sad. And like this is like kind of Sammy's first singles Mania match. I'm glad they both had it together because obviously you know off screen they're pretty much best friends. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it was it was a great match, but it was a short match, but it was a good match. My favourite thing at the end was Logan Paul getting stunned. I've seen 50-50 on the Logan Paul as to whether it was a good sell or a bad sell. I think it was, a, it was probably as good as an untrained wrestler could be. I don't yeah. know what your stance on it. I thought it was decent. I thought he sold it pretty well. I thought he over-exaggerated a bit. Do you know what I mean? Near the end where they're like, well, they got all these people around him, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's a touch of an exaggeration, but, you know, it is what it is, isn't it? At least he was game to take it. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, absolutely. After what happened last night with Bad Bunny, if he just sat there and never did nothing, then I don't think the internet would have just shot him on fire. Yeah, no, absolutely. But it did seem like for him to. I'm glad that he didn't get involved in the match, or he didn't have like a bigger part in the match. But then it also felt a little bit pointless as to why you would bring him in, other than just to get views on screen. Because he didn't really do anything. He had like a little bit of a, a little bit of the promo when he was talking to Sami Zayn on SmackDown prior, and then in this match he just came out, sat there, overselled a Sami Zayn superplex that he wasn't involved in, and then pushed him, and then that was it then. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. The most interesting thing for for me was this one with Riddle and Sheamus. Kind of like Riddle having that kind of pop with Rob Van Dam, like the two stoners together. They're like, oh, yeah, like RVD's putting over and just Carly not understanding anything was just making me laugh so much. Like, just like, why are you giving Riddle the rub with RVD and then just not just make him lose? Like, just, yeah. I did like him coming down on his scooter. So that was fun. And he's, and he's a, there was a botch in that match. Like I don't know the, if you noticed it. Like the off the top rope when he was yeah, trying to do white noise the and he botched it. Yeah, I did see, and it, he held it well. To be fair, because he, he's one of them that could have gone very badly very quickly. The way that he's he slipped off, but he just from when he was when he had him on his shoulders, he just he never looked comfortable at yeah. any point. I feel like he he got him set up, but his feet was meant to be on the other side of the ropes. Yeah, something happened there. That was it could have ended really badly, but obviously Sheamus did the right thing that just dropped down, just went into something else. The finish kind of took that away, kind of like the the way. Like the riddle was he sprung off the ropes and like you just go straight into the bro kick and I was like whoa that, that, that was a creative finish yeah. and he kicks yeah. his head off and, and literally kicked his head off and you see blood like pouring out of riddle's mouth you're like oh right that's interesting yeah it was it was a it was a hard it was a hard end to the match I feel sorry for riddle I think I don't ever think he was. I think I can't remember if you or if it was James that said that the, the original plans was for Keith Lee to win the title. Um, so I feel like he's kind of been pushed into. He's done the best that he can do with it. I just, I just, as much as I like Sheamus, as good as he is, I just, I feel like he's a pointless champion. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where they're going with that, but I guess we'll wait and see. And like, like obviously, the next night on Raw, Riddle kind of had that confrontation with last year. Lashley, it was just like it's just weird. It was like yeah, he, he it lost the title. He lost Mania. the title. Yeah, he he wins the title from Bobby Lashley, loses it at Mania, loses to Bobby Lashley on Raw. Like, what are you doing with the dude? <laughs> he didn't even do. He barely got any offense in at all. He got yeah. actually in the just got squashed. Like, it was like a burial. It was literally over the last like in that two day period. 
they've knocked him down so many levels from what he's done and he's been great on the card he's been like great comedic relief he's been great in ring but to have two kind of heavy losses one after the other to lose a title and then get squashed just seems like the, he's fallen quite a few rungs on the ladder for me over the last couple of days yeah so what are you doing like wasn't he like a few weeks ago winning this, like a few months ago won the title yeah and he's done the off Bobby Lashley as well I think it's it just doesn't sit well with me. This was the. Oh, this is a interesting, to say the least, the Nigerian jump fight. The Nigerian yeah. jump, the gong that was on the side. Just a street fight, basically. And like having Big E losing in the hometown is weird, but. I think um, he deserves better. I think the. I just I don't understand why uh, I don't understand why they've changed Apollo Crews why they've given him uh, a Nigerian accent like it's very similar to what they did with Kofi Kingston but Kofi Kingston no one really knew about Kofi Kingston when he first came in yeah. they could get away with it but everyone's heard Apollo Crews speak they know he doesn't have this accent yeah. and you can tell that it's put on so why have you now created Apollo Crews giving him someone he doesn't really need like a muscle or a security guard so to speak but they've given him Dabakato as a security guard yeah but they've <laughs> renamed him so remember everybody's looking like oh that, that's Dabakato and they're just like, they're trying to say off like they forget that he was like one of the main features of Raw <laughs> Underground it's like they're completely while. wiped it's like the, 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 you know when you wipe your phone you like, delete everything like it happened to yeah. me your phone gets deleted and like everything's missing I want you to delete like you've never heard of Dabakato before. Uh, it's very for me, Biggie is I'd put him in the category in terms of I'd put him in the category with the fiend in this WrestleMania as he's been so good for so many months to then have him lose in six minutes or seven minutes and it just be that's it then. It just it seemed it just baffled me. This match really baffled me and there was nothing really happened in it. There was nothing really all that great. Um I thought while while doing the rapping was fun. Yeah, the good the entrance was good. I'll give them that, but I think they've just they've created Apollo Crews out of no real necessity, and they've given the title and just just let him run with it. it just, it just I just think it baffled me. I'd like to see Big E. I think he deserved the WrestleMania moment. Yeah, I don't know where they're going with Big E from here. Guess we're waiting to see any. This one was the interesting one. Rhea and Asuka. Like Rhea's entrance was great. Yeah, it was. both the entrances were great. The match yeah, was good. I... Like the finish, like okay, you having Rhea as like, like obviously, like for me, I feel sorry for Asuka because all year round, she just puts in the work. Yeah. And when it comes to like these, like the big big spots, you just it just gets taken away from her, and it's like. When's she gonna get a do? Do you know what I mean? They're just do like give her at least one WrestleMania moment. You didn't yeah. have, like I'm not I'm, I'm not disregarding Rhea not like I really like Rhea, I've always have done from NXT and everything like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, she's come up to the main roster, challenges for a title and wins. It's kinda of like, okay, yeah, great. Like, you know, but that disreg that's totally disregarded all of the work Asuka did throughout the year on Raw. Yeah, I echo everything you say. I think she's been the best, probably the top three things in WWE since the kind of the lockdown era or the COVID era. She's been unbelievable, and it just it as good as Rhea Ripley is. I think Asuka deserved this one. 
And I'm pretty sure, I think I said the other day, that Asuka and Sasha Banks are combined 0 and 10 at WrestleMania, or something dash like that. Which, as good as Asuka's been, I know that they had the moment on NXT with Rhea Ripley, Raquel Gonzalez and Bianca Belair, and it's like the passing of the guard, and that's what they're going to be. Like, that's going to be the big three. And then I get that kind of thing, but I, I think Asuka deserved it. I really think Asuka deserved a WrestleMania moment. She should have won against Charlotte Flair when she came up from NXT all them yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah. And then Rhea Ripley should have beat Charlotte Flair last year, but I suppose it's, it is what it is. But I, it was, I think it's because asking the language barrier. Yeah, so and then she. The, the language barrier. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, but good match, serviceable. It was it was more than good enough as a as a normal match. I think that's the right place on the card for it. I don't think it was on paper would have been a great opener, but then neither was Randy Orton and the Fiend to be honest. Um, but yeah, I would have liked Asuka yeah. to have got the win. Yeah, and the main event was a uh, a triple threat match for the Universal Title. Jay Uso, Paul Heyman with uh, now Roman Reigns with Jay Uso, Paul Heyman. You got Edge and Daniel Bryan. Very, very creative, interesting match. Yeah, I would agree. A really good match as well. Probably. Perfect you, knew, event. you knew Jay Uso was getting involved because it was a triple threat match. You were like, yeah, you knew he was getting involved. Like, my favourite spots were the table, one of the table spots, the yeah. double submission spot where they're both doing the submissions and then they're headbutting each other, which is really interesting. The you know usages of the chair, and the ending like sequencing between you know the concerto on was it on Daniel Bryan? Yeah, so they did them both, you know. They can needed the concerto on both of them. Yeah, and him over. And I think that kind of Daniel Bryan's selling of that as well when he was just twitching. Yeah, it was like it was it, you know it was acting, but he was still uncomfortable to watch. And I think that played into the. The heel Roman Reigns, they've both had like they've both had their issues with concussions and like neck injuries and whatnot. So to finish it with a concerto to both of them, I thought was really good. And the way the double pin was like the exclamation point. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. he said that he was going to do it, and he kind of delivered on it. And it, it's built Roman Reigns up to be like the Almighty, but then it's just going to be a case of now very much the same as with Walter. Um, and with Karrion Cross and pretty much every champion, but maybe even Bobby Lashley as well, who is now going to beat them. And I think that's it's good to have it. But then there's also I've only just noticed this was a race through all three, all four of the main champions are heels. In terms of Bobby Lashley, his class as a heel, Roman Reigns is a heel. Yeah, Walter's very a heel, heel and heavy. Yeah, and I know, think most yeah. of the champions. I I don't know what. Well, what your class Rhea is Rhea's like in between yeah I'd put like between I think it, like Bianca's, I think, Bianca was the only feel good yeah. person who won the title so it's the only baby face but then if you're just going through Sheamus is a heel Apollo Crews is a heel yeah. Nia Jackson Shayna Baszler is a yeah. heel AJ Styles and Omos you would probably class as heels yeah. in the match against the New Day so pretty much all the way down every champion now with the exception of Bianca Belair and maybe with the events of Monday, Rhea Ripley, everyone else is now a heel. Yeah. Which is uh, it's an interesting way to go, isn't it? I just don't think there's enough baby faces. There's not, enough there is not enough baby faces, you're right. Like, you know, people who can actually chase and be credible. 
there's not enough credibility on the roster right now. Then, uh, yeah. I completely agree. Kevin Owens, perfect person. Yeah, perfect person, but then we kind of been there and done that, innit? Yeah, no, I agree. I'd like, I'd like to hope that Cesaro is now the one that pushes. I think it'll go towards. I think they'll push towards um, WrestleMania. I think it'll be Roman Reigns versus The Rock, Seth Rollins uh, at SummerSlam, and then I think it'll be Roman Reigns versus The Rock at WrestleMania. Yeah, the race looking. Um, but yeah, the most interesting other part was Jericho and your Broken Skull sessions. What a yeah. great, interesting retrospective of his career. Some stuff that I missed as well, you know, like his 2008 stuff with Shawn Michaels. Yeah. And things like that. I'm glad that they actually start, started off with him, them talking about him being in AEW. Yeah, kind, kind of, of got like, it out of the way early. Yeah, they kind of got it out of the way early and kind of like, like you know, even Jericho was like surprised that he was allowed back on TV like on WWE and stuff like that so it's a very very like like Stone Cold's interview style is very straight to the point and he didn't mess around with anything like they went through the retrospective of all of his stuff I mean his early stuff as well you know like the 1990s stuff he's doing in WCW and kind of stuff that you know, making me laugh and like the behind the scenes things of the 101 holds <laughs> and the Goldberg thing and kind of like all the ideas that he had the, the stuff that he picks ideas from like films and the, the 2008 run was from a film and like Spinal Tap and uh, like the Painmaker run was from like Clockwork Orange and he was mentioning all those things and he mentioned like what happened about like him not going to Saudi Arabia and stuff yeah. So, all like up to the retrospect of where he is now in AEW, and like very, very interesting uh, interview. Yeah, I think everything that you've mentioned there kind of sums it up. And I, I think the retrospective of his whole career was good. The way it was like it was going was good. And then just when it was like, I didn't realize this was the case until I actually watched it. And he mentioned like when before he left about the match with Kevin Owens and how they was oh, originally yeah, the planned to be on the top yeah. and then they got like moved down the card. Um, and he mentioned about putting over young guys and I think it was good from his point of view as well when he just said that he doesn't, AEW don't see themselves in competition with WWE. They've just been put in there by proxy because they're the next biggest company and that they, they want to do something good and you, you can just tell that he has like the freedom of it and like the freedom of like what he wants to do and that he wants to wrestle and he said that he found himself still as an asset and he's proved himself because he's gone and he's been the headline of a company and it was his idea of you need six good guys to get like a get a promotion started yeah. um, and he mentioned like these are the people that are going to do it and he, he reeled off pretty much the elite and then himself and he's like he gives, pages a, now, yeah. he gives a platform for the people that people don't know about in terms of like domestic wrestling in, in America, like the Young Bucks, because there was predominantly in Japan, um, it gives them that platform to kind of grow and develop, and he's provided that name, and now he's happy kind of with the stuff that he's doing and the way that the company's developing, which I think was, it was you knew he was going to get a good interview, but I didn't quite expect it to be so in depth, and I was I didn't think he'd be able to talk about AEW at all, in fact, and he mm-hmm. managed to like he spoke about it for a fair whack. 
Yeah, near the end, he spoke about it for about a good 10 15 minutes. And he was like, you know, he, even he, he, he was surprised about his like retrospect of his career and stuff. Like talking about when he went to Mexico and things like that. Like, he's surprised that he was 30 years. Like, I'm surprised it's been 30 years. Yeah, to start to think about it, like the way that he was doing it, like you still look at him and you still think he's got a good couple of years left in him as well. Oh, yeah, then you can just go behind the scenes. Yeah, I think if he goes behind the scenes, I think he'll be he'll be top tier for whoever he goes to. And yeah, you would I would have thought. Yeah, I think he's got another year on his AEW contract. I think it's three years. I think he's a surefire for the Hall of Fame as well. I think he'll be there sooner rather than later. Yeah, if he, if he does call it a day, which is, I'm not sure if he is or not, but I guess we'll see what happens. But yeah, but that was a very interesting interview if you've not checked that out. I know, I know Stone Cold was on his podcast as well. Yeah, is there a, yeah. is there a new documentary about Stone Cold that's come out of the network? I keep seeing things. I think so. I don't, it's on, I don't know if it's on the network though. I'll have to have a look because it, it looks decent. I like, I, I like the last one about Stone Cold, so... I'm sure. Uh, yeah, to talk about the uh, lackluster rubbish that was the Raw after Mania, which was the the new commentary team was just terrible. Yeah, he's awful. Like, I think um, the, the new guy that they had, he he, he just I know he's probably he's nervous and stuff like that, but he just he felt like he'd never watched a WWE show before, and he's and he, like he was calling moves wrong. Um, Calling talent wrong. Is yeah, he no. Adnan something? Like, I'm not disparaging the dude. Like, he worked for ESPN for what, 10 years or something like that. Yeah. And then he got sacked for leaking secrets, so he's perfect for wrestling. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's going to be the one that just, it's going to be the go to now. Yeah, he'll be inside, he's going to have loads of information all of a sudden. Yeah, he'll be the go to. He's the, he's the dirt sheet guy. He's Vince's plant, he is. I'm telling you, that's why Vince has got him there. He's Vince's plant. Find out what's going on and then report back to him. Yeah, then throw people off in it on a dirt sheet. Yeah, interesting. Because Vince ain't, uh, doesn't hire people for no reason. Yeah, like he's he's got have, he's got to have something behind it, and yeah. I think in comparison, and then you've got you've got Pat McAfee on SmackDown, and I think he did a great job. I think yeah. he really good. Yeah, you know, if you're gonna put somebody in the lead role who's had tenure. Corey's the dude. Yeah. Like, you don't put a new guy in who's never, like, commentated on the product before, on the company before. No offence, even I could have done a better job doing commentary. You know, and yeah, I, no. I've never done... And I know commentary is a really hard job from what I've heard from a lot of people saying it. But obviously, you know, Kevin Kelly does the English commentary in New Japan. And, like, like the way he does it, there's nobody better in the business right now. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I would completely agree. I think maybe if you, you just seemed like a back to the fight, like you could have just you could have put him in and let him learn the ropes. Yeah, you could have like just put Corey on main. It would have been so much easier. Yeah. So, so I hope this week probably they're not going to learn their lesson, but nah. they, they need they need Corey on now on main commentary because he's so tenured. Yeah. I agree, completely agree. I think in his defence. Um, he was good at hosting the show and he was good with keeping the conversation to you. He's got the quality to be somebody that you would have on the panel, but just to have him as the main kind of person. Is the way, think, he's, the way he's calling it, though. 
he's, not, he's not calling it as like like a wrestling show do you know what I mean he's calling it like I'm not saying like a like sports type but you know it's come from that sports type world and the way he's putting it is kind of like like wrestling is different to like any other you know type of commentary that you need to do in it yeah, I would agree. I think he, he called it like me or you would call it, not like somebody that's been involved in the business for a, a couple of years would do. Yeah, like I hope he gets better. Like, oh, they just put Cody on lead for a couple of weeks and kind of show him the ropes and you know get him into this you know groove of things. Obviously, he's it's going to be hugely challenging to you know, yeah. come after Raw after after Mania. You know, and like do that, you know that job, which is not easy. But I guess it is what it is, isn't it? And to also uh, replace Samoa Joe as well. Yeah, to replace Samoa Joe and you know Tom Phillips, obviously. But in terms of the actual show itself, I think if you didn't have the Charlotte Flair promo, I think you probably would have. I think I would probably would have turned it off. I think that was the only thing I stayed on for. Is the her promo and like that that gave me a little bit of intrigue for the rest of the show. Probably but the then, worst Raw after me yet. Yeah, we've had a show with that. And they they literally they teed it up perfectly. When they had someone out in the ring and then another person come out for the for like the big main event triple threat, that was the perfect situation for them to bring out. And I was sitting there and I was thinking, who are they gonna bring out now? Because I thought it was gonna be Samoa Joe. I really thought Samoa Joe was gonna be the person that come out. And then, like, there was Drew McIntyre in the ring and then Braun Strowman. I thought, I really don't want to see Braun Strowman versus Drew McIntyre. I couldn't think of anything worse. Yeah. And then they brought Randy Orton out and I said, well, I, apparently I can think of something worse because I don't want to see them three other fight either. <laughs> and I was sitting there thinking, right, somebody's got to come out now and got to be, whoever they bring out now is going to be, like, the big return. It's going to be the big saving grace for the for the Raw. And they're going to be the one that wins the triple threat match or the, or the four-way and goes on to, like, have a promo with Bobby Lashley. And then no one come out. And nothing happened, and then they just went with them three, and they had a typical yeah triple threat match. Uh, and Drew wins typical triple threat match. Drew McIntyre won, which is now a main event, which will more than likely main event. What the last three pay per views? Yeah, yeah, like well, I like, said three main event, the three pay per views, but it'll be it'll be main event of the last two normal pay per views, and they also was the opener for WrestleMania Night One. You know, it, it's already it's already. In, beating a dead horse with a stick and they can't beat anymore but they're, they're going to force it and I think it's partly down to the fact that Drew McIntyre is probably the only baby face in the company at the moment that's credible to go for a title have I heard correct that like uh, the retribution people are with um, Bobby Lashley now yeah, so yeah, so they're sort of it's like a tease at the moment. Like they they attack Drew McIntyre, um, yeah. and it just it feels like they're just they're replacing the hurt business with a new tag team because Vince likes big sweaty men, which I think is the guarantee. The only thing I hope with it is that they now just take them away from that retribution, let MVP just create them into whatever he wants, yeah. and just let them become what they are. Because like, yeah. they're, they're both good wrestlers, everyone knows how good Dominic Dijakovic is. Yeah, so up. hopefully they just get Dijakovic should just come in as Dijakovic. Yeah, I know. I really hope they do. I really hope he gets rid of the mask. They could even create something out of it where he changes them and tells them to get rid of the mask and just be who they are. Yeah. 
and hopefully it works out well but it's just I just don't see the point in getting rid of a tag team to be replaced by a tag team the Smackdown has become the show yeah absolutely bar bar NXT you're talking about main roster show Smackdown is the best show they've ever run yeah absolutely and by an absolute distance as well and I think at some point they need to cut the hour out of Raw and just go back to two hours cut half an hour out even half an hour yeah absolutely I think there's so much time filler there's so much air and so much waste of space if they cut it down by an hour and just let it run for two hours I guarantee their viewer retention rate for that two hour period will be massive compared to the three hours that they currently have yeah and obviously the big talking point of Smackdown was Pat McAfee did amazing even though I would have liked to see him do more in NXT yeah do more NXT run and stuff. I do like how animated he was. Like, he was standing up, he was like kind of you know, happy to be there, happy, you know, commentating. He sounded like a good fit. Yeah, absolutely. He's yeah. a fan, he, he shows passion, and that's what you want. Like, it's a, it's a welcome break from kind of the in ring manami, yeah. having something like that. And I would have liked to say, I would like to see him do a lot more in NXT, which is yeah. a shame that. He's not there because obviously he had that stellar match with Adam Cole, and then I was like, yeah. "You need to sign this dude." Yeah, not, no, not, not have him sit behind a desk and just kind of get him involved. And hopefully he does. Like maybe that's kind of the the transition where he's going to be a little bit like if you went back with Jerry the King Lawler and how he was, and like he used to kind of get involved and have like matches here and there, or be like. Yeah. Or like Samoa Joe was when he used to have that kind of back and forth. Maybe that's what they're going to do with Pat McAfee. But I think in terms of a, a first day on the job, so to speak, in the in the main show, can't really go much wrong. He was great from start to finish. Yeah. Now we're going to the uh, terrible news of uh, them cutting a load of people. Yeah, and then bang on a year to the day was it exactly? Yeah, a year? exactly you know, a year to the day. Yeah. What were the but what the reasons did they give? Was it financial again? Is that what they said? So they've now come out and said that it was it was financial, um, and that they they're struggling financially. So they've now that that's why they made the releases. But then there's a lot more behind it where people have come out and said. So I've read a few of them. Um, the Chelsea Green one. Um, she said that she was given opportunities, and when she got into the ring, she she got injured, which is I suppose it was unfortunate for her. Yeah, for her. Um. The one with Samoa Joe and apparently the same with Mickey James was apparently that they both wanted to they wanted to get back in the ring. Yeah, yeah, that's why. Um, and, that, yeah. and that wasn't wasn't the case for them, and that's why they that's why they both got released. Um, I don't know whether it was the WWE doctors that wouldn't clear Samoa Joe, um, but that that, that was the one that shot me. I I, I think know. it's every single wrestling promotion knocking around must have thought this is this is great for us we can get just straight involved yeah Joe Joe is a commodity Joe can go anywhere yeah anywhere now like anywhere if, if he likes to show up on New Japan New Japan strong perfect fit obviously because he's been to the dojo was trained yeah. at the dojo go to AEW obviously got a big name can be in the main event program can do commentary for, for fuck's sake Here's yeah. one of the main reasons I was watching Raw every week. You know, yeah, he, held, he, so he held it down in the pandemic era, like nobody else did. Yeah, he was. He was. He was that good. You can There's even go like turn it back into Impact and give him like 
huge ratings and a one-off. Yeah, and just or, bring him back in for or, a little bit. Or he, Ring he'll of Honor. He'll elevate any company he goes to. He will elevate if he's in the main picture. Yeah. I think it's. I think it's just. I think that they definitely dropped the ball there. Looking at the rest of the list, um, Mojo Rawley can kind of understand, hasn't really done anything for ages. Wesley Blake, the same. Um, the Kalista. Iconics was... Boy, that was a... That was the a Iconics moment. is the one that baffles me the most, because Billy Kay, for me, has probably been the best part of SmackDown for a while. Yep, she finally came into her own. Yeah, and I think... Peyton Royce seems to be a collateral of that that they've released them both together because Peyton Royce hasn't really been on TV. But the interesting two snippets about them two, um, which I'll get onto in a second, just because I'm looking at the, the rest of the list: Kalisto, Tucker, I think very much of the same, and then Bo Dallas hasn't been on TV since 2019. No, the, you know, the name that I was is like that wasn't on that list. That should have been on the list. It's probably Alistair Black. Uh, yeah. Like, what are they doing with him? They're just literally just keeping him in there, uh, keeping him right. But touching back to Billy Billy Kay and Peyton Royce and, and the stuff that I've read about it and the kind of the new stuff that's come out um, apparently today about uh, Peyton Royce, um, not her name specifically, um, but the way that it was worded from what I've read, it seems like it's it's very tailored towards that. Um, with Billy Kay, apparently um, Kevin Dunn just didn't get out didn't get what what she was about and because he didn't get he didn't think that other people understood it and that was his reason for getting rid of her but he didn't think that she had essentially had value for smackdown boy that girl had so much value yeah which was, why they don't that, that was just the most stupidest move they've made in yeah. a long time baffle me and we spoke about it briefly when we were the reactions you had that mania like can just, you see like the reactions she had at Mania when she came out. Yeah, you could have put her anywhere. You could have put her as a. You could have put her as a manager with anybody in the roster because she built up this portfolio with the CV and the headshot. Yeah. You could have put her as a manager with any wrestler who was a babyface, and he would have elevated her. You could have put her as the the GM or the deputy GM, and he would have elevated her. It really just baffled me. And if it is the case, and it is true that she was released because Kevin Dunn didn't understand the character. Then I think that's such a shame. I really do think it's such a shame. And then with Peyton Royce, um, it wasn't specifics about what it was with her, but apparently, you're if you're if you're in the picture and they've got plans for you, you're you're in the position where you can be outspoken and you can say what you feel. So basically, that promo that she did. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that was the. And then, if you're not in the picture, um, then you don't have that kind of facility to be outspoken. And the way it was worded, it just seemed very coincidental that the last time that she was on TV was when she cut that promo, and it was such a good promo as well. And it had the whole world talking about it. The whole wrestling world was talking about how good it was. Was it a shoot? Wasn't it a shoot? And then for the first chance they released, they then release her. It just seems so... She had that match against Asuka, and she got beaten. Yeah, and it just just, seemed just so coincidental. I can't imagine she was very desperate to stay she's not really doing anything she's not getting the same kind of chances or any sort of promotion anything like that but she's and then married to Taiji Ninja so yeah so I could I see think... her I could see her going to AEW because obviously they need a few women like yeah. mainstream like you know not ex WWE stars but mainstream you know women's talent like yeah, they get to... Billy Kay in there I'll be really happy 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think you could Billy Kane, Peyton Royce as a going as the iconic. Well, not one of the iconics, but going as a tag team. I think that'll be great. I think Peyton Royce is a good wrestler, but not the greatest promo. I think Billy Kay is a great promo, but not the greatest wrestler. Mm. And I think Mickey James is a, a, an absolute steal because she she wants to continue wrestling. She's got the ability to continue wrestling. I know she's um, married to Nick Aldis and he's still part mm. of NWA. So but, she might end up there, or she might end up back yeah. at Impact, or I think probably. I think, I think the thing with AEW, you don't want to pick too many be- like ex people. Yeah, no, I then, then it comes like it becomes like WCW. Yeah, no, do I, I, I mean? completely agree. Completely so, agree. So like you need to cherry pick who you're gonna get. Yeah, I would take the yeah. only reason I would take Mickey James is just based on experience. I, I think they've got a lot of talented women's wrestlers, but I just don't feel that they've got. Wasn't she just doing commentary on the NXT show as well? Yeah, she, on the NXT pre-show she did commentary. So she was still part of it. And that's that's why people are so baffled. Samoa Joe was on the WrestleMania card. So was Billy Kay. Yeah. Um, obviously, Mickey James did her bits and pieces. Um, Callisto was in was on the SmackDown. He was in the Andre Joe Memorial Battle Royal. So the fact that they've all just been released all of all of a sudden it just seemed very strange. Like, why would you Why would you put them in the situation? Why would you put Samoa Joe in a poncho if you're then going to sack him the next day? Yeah, which is well, like, yeah. Why, why would you, why would you do that to the guy? Why build Billy Kay up and have this big moment of her trying to get on WrestleMania, get her WrestleMania moment, try and get into the card, and then she actually gets one and she gets a match, and she gets in the match, and she gets a pinfall in the match, and then just sack her off. Like this list has it's baffled me more than probably the last list. Last li- last year it was more of a shock. This year, yeah, yeah last last year was like okay, you can see. Why they let people go? Obviously, because they didn't have a billion dollar deal. No, they did have a billion dollar deal with like Fox and whatever. They got the Fox money, but now they had that billion dollar deal with Peacock, and it's obviously it's not to do with money, because you know they yeah. they've got enough money right now. Like, how much how much money does Vince need? Yeah, I think it's a cop out. I think they've used they're struggling financially and budget cuts as a cop out in but, order to just just release talent that are. Outspoken because I can't imagine Samoa Joe sitting in the backstage and just accepting it. I think he's, I think he's got to be someone that's going to be outspoken. Mickey James as well. He's oh. going to be someone that's going to be talking about like what they want. Tucker was the first person he put himself a picture of him on social media straight away about his release. So it just it seems like anyone that's outspoken is. I'm, I'm looking forward to Joe being on the podcast somewhere down the line. Somebody's yeah, absolutely. <laughs> If he turns up on Jericho, probably turn up on Jericho's. Yeah, I'd like to see him on Jericho's. I'd like to see him on the one that Bully Ray does, the the radio yeah, busted, station when busted, he has his thing. Busted yeah, I'd like to see, I'd like to see him on there, but it's just exciting. And you touched on it earlier. He can now go to any promotion, any promotion knocking around, and people will tune in to see what he does. If he goes to Impact, it's going to be the big return. If he goes to mm. ROH is going to be the big return. If he goes to New Japan, there's so many matches you could have over there. And obviously, if he goes to AEW, he's going to be all eyes on AEW for a little bit. So it'll be interesting for the scene. The only thing I'm not sure about is are they all tied into a 90 day no release? 90 days, yeah. So all of them June, I think. So So if if it's AEW, it'd be just in time for their pay per view because they have like quarterly pay per views, ain't it? Yeah, so. So it'd be just in time for that. 
It'd be just in time for the G1 if it goes to New Japan. If it goes to choose Impact or Ring of Honor, you can just turn up, you know, whenever and do that. So, this is the most interesting one to see where he lands in. Yeah, and I think then, looking just down the list as well, I think Bo Dallas is someone that will be interested to see where he goes. But you know, just how many, I was thinking about this the other day. Like, it just popped in my head. How many former NXT champions are now not in the company? Yeah, not in the world of Like, I've worked it out as Bo Dallas. Yeah. Small Joe. Yeah. Neville. Yeah. I think that's three. I think that's what I can come off of the top of my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me bring you up. Let's have a look at the list of previous NXT champions. There's, there's like, there's got to be another one. Like, I'm sure there's, that's the top three. That there's got to be a, a fair whack of them. Former NXT champions who are not with the company anymore. But Andrade as well. Yeah, Andrade, yeah, that was the fourth one, yeah. Alistair Black, soon to be gone. Probably, yeah, that'd be five. Um, here we are. So this is the actual list of them all. So we've already named four. There's only been 20. Um, yeah, Neville, Samoa Joe. Andrade. Andrade. Couple of, yeah, and then there's been a couple of double champions, you think. Um, Sami Zayn. Nakamura was a double champion. Yeah. Um, so, and Karrion Cross has been a double champion as well. So, yeah. just looking at the list of people, they're just. But then, just touching on what you said there, the amount of ones that have gone up and are underutilized or haven't been utilized to the best of their ability. Looking at this list now, there's only two that have gone up and been something, which is, in my opinion, Kevin. yeah, Kevin Owens. I've well, three: Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, and McIntyre. Mm. I think Nakamura was good, but was wasted. Finn Balor did well when he went up and then come back, but a lot of them. Looking at like um, Bobby Roode went up, did nothing. Andrade went up, did nothing. Alistair Black went up, did nothing. Gargano, Adam Cole. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa are all still there. NXT, yeah. Keith Lee went up. Did nothing. nothing. Karrion Cross is great. And then obviously got a couple of them. So they're really building people up. And Bo Dallas held the title for 280 days. Yeah. So. Which is wild to think that he did it. And then and then Neville held it for 287 before Finn Balor had the, had the longest or second longest reign after Adam Cole. So they really, really built up some big, big people and then just dropped them and did nothing with it. Yep. But um, I guess I think we've covered everything pretty much. I just want to uh, say rest in peace to Helen uh, McCurry from uh, obviously known as Polly and Peaky's, Peaky Blinders, which has pretty much become one of my favourite TV shows over the last five to six years if you're from the West Midlands or from the UK you'll understand why such a great TV show and writing and the series the series that she's coming up in probably the last time you'll you'll see her in acting yeah. which is a shame but I guess it is what it is isn't it yeah it's a great know, actor she's, a great actress and I don't know if you watch Peaky Blinders or not, but um, I've I've watched bits and pieces. I've 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 tried to get into it. Um, I'll probably wait until it all comes out and then I'll watch it all in one go. I know yeah. it's filmed locally, and um, everything that I've seen has been absolutely ace. I feel like 
I missed the boat a little bit, so I just need to go back and catch up with him yeah, when I get five to There'll be a catch up by the time the season. Well, they're all on iPlayer anyway, so if you want yeah, to check watched, them out. I've watched like every. I've watched like the. Every, there's a YouTube channel that does a synopsis of them season by season, so I've yeah. kind of watched all of them just to get an idea of what it is. And it's definitely something that I'll enjoy. Um, it's just a case of getting around to watching it. Yeah, but um, you want to get your uh, plugs out of the way. We did quite a long show here. Um, yeah, that's a quite a long show actually. Um, yeah, James Vaughan fourteen. Um, that is on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. You can find uh, James his drunken tweets about hating AEW at uh, shooting the breeze. Uh, at no at uh, yeah at underscore shooting the breeze. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have James back for uh, backlash. Well, WrestleMania quote backlash preview show and uh, it's not thank you for filling in for James other James uh, on this show for me and uh, giving me a nice show to talk uh, talk about everything that's going on um, in the world of the programs uh, we'll do uh, another roundup soon enough in a couple of weeks so, absolute pleasure pleasure all mine thank you for having me back again as always no problems uh, you take care and everybody stay safe and happy wrestling you too enjoy I'll see you later. Yeah, mate, take care bye Thank you. Bye.